everyone. My name is Kate. And I'm Leah of Artabella Gallery. And you're listening to ArtWise. So we're back with another awesome guest. This is Leah. Everyone say hi. Well, she can't hear you, but say hi anyway, unless you're like in an office setting or, you know, and you don't want people to think you're crazy. But yeah, this is Leah. I'm going to let her go ahead and introduce herself and let her kind of tell you what she's all about. First off, I absolutely love that intro music that you have. It's really cool. And it sounds super official, so I'm already impressed. Um, (laughs) Hi, everybody. My name is Leah. I am the owner and primary artist of Artabella Gallery. I am based out of West Virginia. I started full-time about a year and a half ago after I graduated from college. And ever since then, I've been full-time professional artist. Um, Some of the things that I love to do, I am a live wedding slash event painter. I paint murals. I do a lot of commission work. And I'm still kind of in the dregs of figuring out what it's like to be a professional artist and kind of what it means to balance work-home life when you already work from home, how to negotiate prices with clients, like all the fun, messy details about being an artist, running social media, the whole shebang. So those are kind of some of the things that I really wanted to come on here and talk about just to hopefully shed some light on the process of being a business person, being a businesswoman, being an artist in a culture that doesn't always support the arts. And just hopefully, if anyone out there is listening and is thinking about taking that jump into art professionalism, I hope that hearing my story kind of helps you a little bit because I know I definitely could have used these words when I was a lot younger and really doubting this path. So hopefully you'll get something from this. And if not, hopefully you'll at least enjoy it. I was so excited to have you on because I actually, for the first time, so for those of you listening, we're recording this on February 11th, so it's a little over a month before this episode is actually going to come out, so it is like in in the future, but in next weekend, actually, I'm going to be live painting a wedding for the first time, so I have some questions for you that are for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's my cousin's wedding. Yeah, I'm like in her wedding too. Like I'm a bridesmaid, but she has me painting the the first dance in, in during the uh, reception. Reception is that what it's called? It's like the Bro, first wedding I've luck. ever been to. But yeah, I wanted yeah, I to, to ask you some it. probably <laughs> oddly specific questions, probably about like the the wedding painting. I know you do other stuff too, but. I I just thought it was really cool to have you on like right before I'm about to do that for the first time. Oh, I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah, please ask me all the weird questions. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I've never done anything. Well, that's not true. I I was going to say I've never done anything like that before, but when when I was in high school, I did like, oh, what did we call it? Artist in action. We called it artist in action. So at like fundraisers, we would like paint in front of people and and stuff like that but it was never anything like live painting at a wedding I feel like is a lot more professional than just like you know a bunch of kids like in high school just drawing in our sketchbook and that was also so long ago this is like something so new to me but I think it's really cool because I've seen a lot of people on like TikTok and Instagram and social media do you know like live wedding painting and it's it looks so legit like it looks kind of terrifying I'm a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. but it 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 looks so fun too it's like a super fun (laughs) way for artists to make make some money especially because people will drop money for weddings so but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later yeah so, I mean uh, it's it's fun <laughs> and it's also terrifying at the same time yeah it sounds sounds mm-hmm. terrifying for well I don't know not terrifying I'm not that I'm not that nervous I wouldn't have agreed to do it if I was that worried about it but like you know it's definitely the first time doing anything is definitely That's a little fair. bit like oh man all right so to start off why don't we talk a little bit about like how you began your art journey. So I know a lot of people kind of begin in different ways. Like some people have known their entire life that they've wanted to be an artist and have just grown up knowing that that was what they're going to do. But then there are people who kind of learned that about themselves later. So how was that journey for you like starting out? Was it something that like you learned about yourself later on? Or was it just always like, oh, I I knew what I was going to be doing since I was birthed kind of thing? (laughs) 
I wish I was one of those people. I really do. I'm not going to lie. I kind of fought tooth and nail pretty much my entire life against the idea of becoming an artist, which is funny because literally everyone else in my life, like all the time, when you become a famous artist, when you're an artist, da, 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 da. I absolutely refused to pursue art for the longest time, even though I've been like an artistic kid for most of my life. And it was just because I really ascribed to this mindset of being an artist means being starving, living in a box and never going anywhere until I die kind of thing. And like, I, I'm the kind of girl who wants to be financially comfortable, if not financially comfortable, financially successful, like I want to be wealthy. And that's not something I'm ashamed of now. But I really ascribe to this idea that if I pursued an artistic career, if I pursued self employment, I was never going to be financially comfortable and be safe that in that way. And so, but it's funny because like, I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. Absolutely not. The idea of getting a desk job to me was just not appealing at all. It's that's not my personality type. And so I had no answer for people when they asked me what I was going to do with my life, except for a small panic attack. But again, I still loved art. I went to college undecided and then ended up studying art just for fun. For giggles. But then I kind of had an experience. I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, and kind of discovered very quickly that there there was just a joy there. And there was also this idea that why the heck would I waste my life doing something else? And so what if like, if I'm financially unstable, at least I can say I tried it. So I came back from Florence and had the extreme fortune of getting connected with the entrepreneurship program at my college, Marietta College. And there's a competition that they had every year. It's called PioBiz. I competed in that competition. Basically, it's like a tiny shark tank, only the judges are a lot nicer. And I, this all happened in the midst of COVID too. And so I had the chance to put together a business plan which I'd never done before, and present my company, Artabella, in PioBiz, and I ended up winning. And I won $7,000 to start up my business, and that was kind of, that was the sign that I needed to start going. And so ever since then, um, I graduated in May of 2021, got my LLC in January of 2021, used those funds, and I've been kind of going full steam ahead ever since. But um, if you asked eighth grade me, what she thought I would be doing right now, it it sure as hell was not this. <laughs> so I'm figuring it out. I don't have a lot of like people in my close community who've pursued this career track. So I kind of feel like I've been going at it blind, but I've been building up very intentionally a lot of mentors around me who are artistic or who are business minded. And just between their advice and a lot of Google searches, I've been figuring it out. So it's been pretty interesting. I've been learning a lot. That is really awesome. That's so interesting that you say that too, because I kind of had a similar experience to you. Not exactly though, because I, when I was a little, little kid, I knew that I wanted to be an artist and that I wanted to pursue art because um, my dad's an artist and I just wanted to do that I mean my my parents always really encouraged me to be creative and stuff I think they knew like out of the their two kids odds are like one of them was going to be an artist it just kind of mm. <laughs> you know it's something that like oh we have a lot of artists in the family and it was just kind of like you know and when they saw like I was like a really creative kid they really wanted me to pursue that. And I remember like being really into like crafts and, and painting and doing art as like a, a young child. But as I got older, like through middle school age, I kind of stopped because I think because of that same reason, because I did hear people saying, oh, like you're going to be, you know, broke and starving artists and all that. And then I was like, oh, I don't want, I'm not really trying to be broke. I could do literally anything else. But then, then I, as I went into high school, I kind of realized like, I would rather be broke and like doing something that I like than have a lot of money and be miserable with every, you know, what I do for 40 hours a week. And then that kind of got me like back onto that same like track. But it's it's so funny that you you say that like you had like kind of like a sign, like a moment, like when you like when you won, right? Yeah. And that was like, oh, you need to be doing this kind of thing. It's yeah. crazy because, and I didn't, mine, mine wasn't that clear. 
But even recently, I had this epiphany, right? Because I think I, I talked to you before we started uh, recording a little bit about this, but and people who listen to Artwise monthly know this about me. People who are just here for your episode. Hi, how are you? I, <laughs> I'm an, a graphic designer. <laughs> and I work uh, a nine to five, well, an eight to five. And it's it's like an office job. And that's what I've been doing for the past four years. But I've kind of like come to this realization that if I'm going to be an artist, for me personally, and it, there wasn't like one sure like sign for me the way that you kind of had this like big arrow kind of pointing like, hey, this is what you should do. And like, you're going to be successful at it and you're doing great kind of thing. Yeah. But it was for for me, it was more like me getting my my same paycheck every two weeks, the mm -hmm. same dollar amount, doing the same thing every day. One day I just sat back and I was like, oh my God, like this is why we have starving artists is because like people put themselves in this box and they give themselves this position where they're getting paid this fixed amount. And if I was doing freelance for and working for myself and if I was doing all these like wonderful, amazing things that I have in my head that I've wanted to do but haven't had time because I'm trapped in this eight to five grind of like making this barely above minimum wage, mm -hmm. you know, salary to, to be an artist for a big company. I'm making a lot less mm -hmm. than if I were to just not put those restrictions on myself. So I think it's really, really cool that like you, you've like identified that about yourself already and like self-employed artists, especially the ones I feel like we have a similar like way of, of working in a sense because mm -hmm. like I just get that vibe from you obviously I don't know you like that but uh, a lot of people who are you know entrepreneurs and, and start their own business usually are really like hard workers and really motivated to just like do what needs to get done mm -hmm. and I think that especially artists who have that motivation to just do what they're passionate about and like get stuff done like will always be more successful as being self-employed, having their own business, having an LLC, mm -hmm. and there's no cap to how much they can make. So I think that's really awesome. Well, and that's like, so there's this, it's both a problem. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, especially if you're one yes. of those like gifted kids who like grew up super overachiever, always had to get the good, like I was gifted overachiever, all the things, right? And now I'm kind of in this, yeah. entrepreneurship is dangerous for me because on one hand, your limit is yourself. Like your cap is yourself. How much money you bring in mm -hmm. in a year depends solely on how much work you're willing to put in, which means that I'm out here doing all the things, right? Because the more I work, the more money I see coming in, the more affirmed I feel, right? Because this is my new, this is my new goal. But then at the same time, I work way too much. It's an ungodly amount of work. There is no work home life separation and it's unhealthy and I don't respect myself and I don't respect my time. And that's kind of the latest it's a double bind that I'm coming into a lot of just trying to figure out how do I respect myself as a person who needs to have a life versus how do I make sure that at the end of the day, I'm bringing in enough money to support myself financially. And I'm still figuring that out. But I mean, entrepreneurship's addicting because really your limit is yourself. Your cap is yourself and what you can come up with. And so, I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a little adventure. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I've been, I've been doing both for about five months. I've been, I've been doing, you know, my freelance business, trying to get up to a point where I'm making enough first before I quit my job. But it's kind of trapped me in this like loop hamster wheel of, mm -hmm. well, I can't put enough time into this to make it more profitable than what I'm spending uh, sometimes upwards of 60 hours a week doing. So yeah it's never going to get to the point where it's making more than the other unless I can put more time, but I can't put more time unless I quit my job. And it's, it's been like really, and obviously I'm probably going to remove some of, some of this if I haven't quit my job by the time this episode comes out. But my goal is to quit before the end of the month. So you're in this weird liminal space right now where like, there's that terror of having to take that dive off the cliff, not knowing what the heck's going to happen. And if you're going to be supported or not, my advice to you would be look into passive income. I don't know how much you've thought about mm -hmm. passive revenues. I know that you're an NFT artist, which is awesome, but look into other things too, like prints, teaching classes. And this is something I tell to all the artists, make your art work for you past the canvas, 
right? You do that initial artwork and you make big bucks off of that initial piece, right? You can stretch that on. I mean, I've completed pieces for customers and then earned an extra $1,500 off of print sales, off of printing it on notebooks, on journals, anything you can think of, you got to get scrappy. But if you can develop enough sources of passive income, then all of a sudden you're not just earning money from your time, you're earning money from your time plus all the things that it does for you afterwards. And like that can sometimes help fill in those gaps and make it a little bit less scary. But like, also, I do not envy you your position. I mean, I don't envy any artist in their position because it's just really scary for a long time. But (laughs) I'm really hoping that the transition's a lot smoother for you. Thank you. I I appreciate that a lot because it's uh, for people that know me personally, it's been really, it's been really stressful. And ultimately with, with my work ethic, I, I know that it's it's going to be okay. It's just, it's really, it, it's scary. No matter how you put it, it's scary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I haven't found, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but I, I really haven't found like that confidence to just jump off the deep end and, and, you know, get rid of my primary source of income. Even though I'm thinking about it, like it's not much because it doesn't even pay my bills enough that I have mm-hmm. to have a whole second job just to pay my bills. But you know, I mean, it's art related. And at one point in my life, when I was 18, fresh out of high school, all I wanted to do was art. And I didn't care how much I was going to make. I didn't care. And both my jobs are art related now. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm living my dream. But I, you know, you still have that, that goal and that urge to like, okay, how much further can I go with this? And it's really difficult when you're trying to do, you have two jobs and you, you know, you started your own, you know, like, freelance art business essentially it's just a lot so yeah. what what you're doing is is really awesome i think that's that's really cool i'll probably message you after this and ask you some more specific questions to my situation because it's really Absolutely. awesome that you're able to to kind of like come i don't know how to word that like come out of the the other side of like what i'm trying to do but in a different you know what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't make you. sense all the time. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who hosts a podcast, I'm not that great at talking anyway. So specifically, like, how did you start doing the, the wedding paintings? So I, I don't know if you know her or not, but she's basically a, she's kind of mama for all live wedding painters. Watch Maggie paint or Maggie Coon is her name. I found her art page about two and a half years ago. She has, I think she has like 100,000 followers now. Like she's painting for celebrities. She's been on the Ellen show. This woman is boss and I admire her. I have her on my proverbial vision board and she does live wedding painting and this girl earns bank. Like this woman earns bank and gets to travel all around the world and people pay for her travel. And I found her Instagram account and I was like, oh, that's what I want to do with my life. Absolutely. And I have, I had no clue about the wedding industry. I had never done any live painting before. I've never even taken a figure drawing class before because I had a double major. It was a whole mess. But I knew that I wanted to do this industry. And so, but I don't know any live painters. There are like maybe two or three live painters in Appalachia at all. And so I kind of had to figure it out on my own. And so what I did was I, once I graduated college, I reached out to two or three of my friends who I knew were getting married soon. And I was like, listen, never done this before, but would you be willing to let me come and paint your wedding for free, free charge? Like, I don't care. I just need to come and paint because with the arts, what I've learned is you need to prove to people you can do it before they're willing to pay you for it. And so I needed the resume builders and I was fortunate enough that all of them said yes and very enthusiastically said yes. One of them was even getting married in Florida and God bless her. She purchased my plane tickets to fly me down and I was, I was so excited. And, um, so they, the very first wedding that I did, it was a game changing moment for me because I met the right people. So what you're going to discover in the wedding circle specifically is you got to make friends with the planners and the event coordinators and the photographers, all of the support staff, because you see each other all the time. I see people who I've like painted weddings with like multiple times and you start to recommend each other and you start to like send your clients to like, oh, do you need a painter? I know a painter. Do you need a photographer? I know a photographer. 
Anyways, this first wedding that I painted, I met this incredible wedding planner. Her name's Brittany, and she posted my art. She posted my painting, like progress of it while I was painting it. And I came home that night to 16 brides in my DMs. And by the end of the week, I had booked 20 weddings, like 20 paid gigs after only doing one piece, right? So I'm like losing my mind. I'm like, I would like to thank Oprah for supporting me, like having the whole (laughs) moment, right? Like I saw the clouds parting. And ever since then, it's just kind of been this crazy uphill journey of I absolutely had to raise my prices because all of a sudden I realized that like I couldn't be doing everyone's wedding and I was double booking and that was not good. So then after I started getting clients, then I had to very quickly develop a contract. I developed like, it was like an invoicing paying kind of schedule. And I stalked Maggie's page. Like it it was very creepy how much I stalked her. Like what supplies did she use? What um, paints did she use? All the different things. I'm basically modeling her now. (laughs) But ever since then, I, I mean, I'm definitely learning a lot now with live painting. There's been a lot of unexpected things. I have a list on my phone, a packing list that I refer to every time I go to another wedding. But this is my, I haven't even finished a full year yet of doing it. And I'm already at, I've already painted 12 weddings. I have 30 more booked for this year, which is so exciting. And so it's been really nice. And that's something that's been really helpful with the whole art business in general. This is my, this is my big tick product. So I charge a good chunk of change for this because it's such a highly niche, highly skilled industry. And because I do, I'm able to bring in enough money to support myself baseline. And then I bring in extra money through commission work. So it kind of helps supplement, which has really helped to ease a lot of my worry, like financially, because, you know, when you're booking in January for weddings throughout the entire year, you know how much money you're going to be making the entire year, which really helps like with the whole stress over money kind of thing. And so I'm really grateful. I mean, my brides have been absolutely incredible. All my clients have been fun, but it's been, it's been a whirlwind journey. I started this in like May and it's been insane. I now am known around town as the wedding girl. So (laughs) I'm very well versed in the wedding industry and so incredibly grateful for all the people who hype up my stuff. It's been awesome. That sounds amazing. How much do you charge for like, what's so your pricing for me, look like? I so Maggie charges between thirty five hundred to five thousand dollars, and my goal is to get to that point eventually. I haven't yet reached the clientele or reached the skill level yet to where I'm comfortable charging that. Right now, I charge a thousand dollars for a sixteen by twenty canvas and fifteen hundred dollars for an eighteen by twenty four canvas, and the client also covers travel. And so that's something that is where I found I'm still affordable enough that the people who really want me can book me but I'm not also like booking everybody and then stressing and exhausting myself if that makes sense so it makes it kind of worth my time because live painting is exhausting like wedding painting is yeah it is so exhausting it's so fulfilling and incredible I love it but it's exhausting so the a thousand dollars is kind of my my ask for that compensation for all of the energy and the skill that I'm putting out yeah, that's uh, honestly like I was thinking in my head probably around a thousand, but I wanted to ask because I feel like it's a good question to ask on a podcast. Oh, yeah. So, what about murals? How did you get into that? That is again, it's just a lot of who you know and networking with people. So, most of the gigs that I get are someone like a business will say, Hey, we need a muralist. And everyone's like, Hey, Leah, they need a muralist. And then I get connected and then I do it. So I'm trying still in the process of getting into the mural industry. I have two or three pieces lined up this year that I'm really excited about, but it's just a lot of like my professors would send me clients who are looking for work and I'm still at the stage right now. You'll discover this in art business where you kind of have to go through a stage where you say yes to absolutely everything. And that's how you build your clientele, you build your following and you build your portfolio. And then as you go on, then you can be a lot more picky. So I'm still saying yes to everything. And I've been very grateful for all the things that have come down the pike. But I've kind of been doing murals like on and off. I did a few like free things for people. And just now that I'm in it professionally, now I'm trying to be a lot more intentional about being firm with my pricing. And that's kind of the struggle with murals is people don't often realize how much murals cost like murals are an investment. And so that's kind of been something I've been running into. I feel bad. Sometimes I think I scare clients away just with my pricing structure. But at the same time, murals are also a lot of work. And yeah. so it's been a whole journey trying to like not talk myself out of my prices. I don't know if that explains it. But it's it's pretty much just like letting people know that you want to do murals, 
doing a few free murals for portfolio work, and then taking any opportunity that comes down the pike, even if it does mean compromising your prices at first, because you do need to just, you need to let people know that you do murals. And then pretty soon people will start sending you jobs, which is very nice. Yeah, I I actually have done quite a few murals. Have you ever done a mural on a scaffolding before? Oh my gosh, it's off. It's terrifying. I'm so afraid of heights. (laughs) Oh, it's such a test of your strength. Oh my god. I recently did a mural on like 12 feet up on scaffolding and you look at it from a distance and you're like, oh, that's not even bad. That looks so sturdy. And then you're up on it and you're like, wobbling and like oh it was the most stressed I've ever been in my life and I'm like rethinking now like I don't know if I'm ever going to take another mural on a scaffolding ever again because that was terrifying thought I was gonna die for two full it took us two two full days to do the the mural if if anyone's curious as to what these murals look like there's pictures of it on my I have two art accounts on Instagram and one of them is just my random stuff art account and that's the one that has pictures of this mural terrifying terrifying (laughs) props to any artist who who just does like murals and like that's like the main thing that they do they scare me so bad. But yeah, I would I would totally agree with what you said too about doing some for free in in my parents' house actually. When I was in high school, I I painted like a mural in my bedroom just to have for like my portfolio. It was nice. like a big octopus painting and it is awesome. That's so I would good. definitely if you are allowed to or able to or have access to like a wall and you're trying to get into murals, starting with like bedrooms too is like honestly I I like much prefer doing like something inside of the house as opposed to outside outside on scaffolding yeah (laughs) it's terrifying but you know I'm glad that I did it because now I know how horrifying it is and to never do it ever again no matter how much money I'm offered I like it because it just gets me out of the studio and it's great exercise I mean I have never been more buff more tanned, feeling more badass than when I was doing a mural because I'm like climbing up and down the, the scaffolding, doing all the things, and then you walk away at the end of the day. And I felt like I deserved all the junk food that I scarfed down at the end of the day and like expending all this energy. Because after the mural's done, you know, I just go back to my studio and I hunch over my paintings again. So I'm actually, I'm pretty excited about mural season because it just kind of, it gets me out. It gets me traveling a little bit and I meet some pretty cool people because there is no greater like boundary bake breaker than art like people instantly their their shyness disappears whenever you're doing art they just want to come up and talk to you it's so cool I like met a lot of really cool people that way that is true yeah especially especially when you're doing a mural outside at a park on scaffolding they totally feel comfortable just coming right up to you and be like what are you doing no, yeah, that's that's awesome. I didn't know there was like a mural season. There's a season that's well, like, well, I mean, if you're doing like outside murals, there's a season, obviously. It's like summer and spring and things like that. But if you're doing inside work, then I guess it's all year round. But I kind of consider like spring and summer to be mural season because that's generally when I've found I get contacted the most and start working on them the most. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because we, the day that the first day that we painted ours, it was freaking raining. We were doing it outside. Nice. Oh, God and bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like, I have never been more, when I tell you I've never been more stressed in my life, I, because it took us, okay, so I did this with my dad, who's also an artist, and my boyfriend, who is not an artist, but he is a house painter, and is way more comfortable on scaffolding and high up on ladders than any of us were, and horrifying. It was just terrifying. It was raining. The paint kept, like, dripping it it was just it was bad but we only had two days to do it because it was for a high ally it was for like a high ally court which is i i don't even know how to explain this i don't even really understand the sport to be honest i it's like i don't know how to describe do you know what high ally is (laughs) i feel like no one listening to this podcast would know what high ally is it's so they tape these weird claw things to their hands and it it's like a ramp for like a ball and they like chuck the ball it's terrifying sport 
but that's what it was for and they needed the the court to like play so they were like oh you can do it in two days and we were like yeah we can do it in two days but absolutely one of the days it had just it had just rained and anyways (laughs) yeah props to anyone who who does murals like and you know goes up on the ladders and goes up you know 15 20 30 feet (laughs) and does art that high up without panicking i'm terrified of heights i don't know why i thought it was a good idea but anyways what does the process of doing the live painting look for you so can you like walk me through like start to finish so like you get you get off the plane they flew you down to to florida (laughs) let's say florida they flew you to tampa okay and you get off the plane and you know i don't know why tampa because i live here it's my wedding okay and (laughs) you get off the plane and you're at the you're at the wedding okay you're about to start so like what does the process look like for you to yeah so doing a live painting for me once you book me for a day you've got me for the whole day work does not start for me at least it doesn't start at the moment the wedding starts i typically so for let's say we're doing a 16 by 20 inch painting I will try to arrive at the venue about two, two and a half hours, three hours before the wedding begins. And let's say you want your first dance painted, right? So I will come to the venue where the first dance is going to be held. And I'm setting up shop about two to three hours before the wedding even begins. And that's the time when I get my easel set up. I figure out my um, perspective. I kind of start planning out the composition and things like that. I set up, I bring a time-ops video with me. And so I set up my video camera, get everything already taped down my wires to make sure that I don't trip any guests and have a lawsuit on my hands. And then I spend the next two to three hours painting the background as quickly as I can. My goal by the time guests start showing up for the wedding itself is to have the background either mostly done or at least halfway done. Because my goal is to have the piece finished by the end of the day. I really don't enjoy taking a painting home with me because I would love to just leave it with a couple and get their reaction at the end. That's like my bread and butter. So by the time guests start rolling in, I generally have the background either halfway done or mostly done. And then I'm working on the painting again while everyone's at the wedding ceremony while it's happening. And then it's just kind of you work on the scene for the entire night. And when the first dance happens, I will, (laughs) you kind of, you see the videographer, you see the photographer, and then you see the live painter all like fighting for the right spot for the right photo and so I just have (laughs) I have to go back through and delete them actually I have a bunch of just very creepy photos of all of my brides on my (laughs) phone because I'm taking photos of their first dance and I pray to God that I get a good photo and then after the first dance is done I go back to my spot and hopefully by this time I have the background basically done and then I just spend the rest of the evening working off of that reference photo and painting my bride and groom or my bride and bride groom and groom whomever and um, putting them in. And during this entire process also, one of the reasons why I like to come early is because I know once guests start coming, part of a live painter's job, at least for me, is to interact with the guests and give them like immediate access to a professional artist because that's not someone that you see nowadays. Like that's not a profession that you see out and about. And so I'm like talking to guests, I'm sharing with them like my tips and tricks, talk, telling them how I do it, like answering all the questions. Sometimes I'll meet a little kid who wants to be an artist and I let them help me with the painting for a little while. It's like a whole thing. And then my after the bride and groom have their first dance, I do, the, do painting them in. And then the goal is to have the piece done about 30 minutes to an hour before the end of the evening. Typically my couple will want to do like a big dramatic reveal. So I will go and get the videographer, the photographer, make sure that they're set up to get like prime photos. And then we like turn the painting around, bride and groom react. It's all wonderful. It's lovely. It makes me feel super good. And then after that is when I can relax. And that's when I will grab dinner and I'll sit and chill for a little while and just calm down because it's like a huge adrenaline rush for like six hours just trying to get everything done. And if I don't get a painting done, that's totally fine. Like I'll take the painting home with me, work on it. And my policy is to get it back to the couple within two weeks. So I always try to make sure to be pretty timely about that. And then at the end of the evening, I just pack up all my things, might hand out a business card or two, take a few photos. I take my final videos of the piece to post the next day. And during the entire evening, I'm also posting on my Instagram because my followers seem to really love that entire process. So if they have a cute cake, I post about the cake. I love posting about what the bride's wearing. I love posting progress videos and things like that so that it kind of builds up all the hype for when I post the final painting the next evening. And so then at the end of the night, I'm like, all right, peace out, go home. And then I crash and I end up sleeping in for four hours the next morning. 
That sounds like a lot. Do you stand the whole time? Or do you like? (laughs) So I did. I stood for my first two or three weddings and then quickly realized that that ain't it. And that's exhausting. And so I ended up going on Amazon and buying this handy dandy like transportable stool. And so I just have, I have a plain air. I ordered it online. It's like a plain air set and it comes in a backpack. And so I have my backpack and I have my chair and like, that's all that I need. And it's fantastic. Now, if a venue also gives me a table, I always feel super special when that happens because that's just extra nice. But just between the chair and like all of the things I have in my backpack, like I'm generally pretty set now. I've like, we're figuring it out. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Do you know how much the plain air set was? Because I would love to yeah. get one of those. That just sounds so I'll convenient. I'll the link after this conversation. It was to this very convenient website. It cost me about $250 and well worth it. Well worth it. You cut, you get... An easel, you get a palette that you can hook onto the easel. You get, it's like an adjustable, it holds the canvas for you. It's it's really nice. I would highly recommend it for anyone wanting to do this stuff. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that, that, that sounds like really, I don't know why I didn't even think of that, but that, I didn't know that they even made like sets for plein air artists, but like, like I guess, why, why wouldn't they? Okay. So um, obviously painting in front of like a group of people at a wedding, right, is different from like painting like in your studio or in your room or wherever you paint like by yourself. How how is it is it different for you to like be able to create in front of people as opposed to creating just for yourself? Like, do you feel like your artwork comes out differently or do you just kind of like get in the zone and then it comes out? Get in the zone, auto zone. (laughs) Yeah, my brain does that. But is it do you just kind of get in the zone and it kind of like comes out the same? Or is it like completely different? It's completely different. And um, it's pretty crazy because so I'm a perfectionist by heart. And I'm definitely one of those people who I will not show you any of my sketches, I will not show you any of my mess ups, you can only see the finished product so that you never think that I'm a bad artist kind of thing. Like my confidence cannot handle it if anyone thought that I was a bad artist. And so when I first started doing live painting, it was absolutely terrifying because there, so I tell people that live painting, there are four stages to it. There is stage one, where is, are you sure you get paid to do this? There's stage two, which is, I mean, I think I see what you're painting. There's stage three, which is, okay, I kind of see what you got going there. And then there's stage four, which is, ah, I understand why you're getting paid big bucks to do this. And so it's really terrifying, like in the beginning, because people see it in its messy stage, people see it when it's sketchy, and when it's pretty ugly, and when you're figuring everything out. And That's the stage when I'm the most anxious and the most nervous, because I'm honestly like, I'm working on this. And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to turn out good or not. Your guess is as good as mine, like we're figuring it out. But I always end up surprising myself at the end, generally pleasantly surprising myself. And like, I'll kind of step back and I'm like, well, okay, then that turned out amazing you kind of like black out for a little while and then you come out with a finished piece and it's awesome. But I really appreciate live painting because um, I'm a very meticulous, detail-oriented, will-spend-an-ungodly-amount-of-time kind of artist. Sometimes I end up spending much more time than I need to on a commissioned piece and that can like take a lot of time and really drain me. And what I really appreciate about live painting is it it doesn't allow you to do that. Like it forces me to just react in the moment and to just paint what I'm seeing and then move on. Like there's no, I can't overthink it. It forces it like it forces me to shut down my brain and to just react to the scene in front of me. And so it gets me out of my head. So I absolutely love the stuff that I do live painting because I feel like that's my truest form of creation because I'm not I'm not planning it and then re-shifting the composition and changing things and mulling over every unnecessary detail. Like I'm just going. And at the end of it, it ends up turning out beautifully. And it's been so helpful for my confidence because like at the end of the evening, when I come out with these like gorgeous pieces, I'm like, okay, like I am a good artist. Like this is awesome. And this turned out wonderful. And this I had no clue going in what I what was going to happen or what the piece was going to look like. And you walk out of it with a finished piece and it's incredible. So like live painting has been so good for my practice because it's it's forcing me to get out of my comfort zone every single time. And yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, there's an adrenaline rush every single time I do it. But I feel myself getting better as an artist. I feel myself getting better as a creator. And I feel myself getting better as someone who notices the world. Because now I'm picking up on little details. Like I see my 
painting as telling the story of one day in a piece. So that for years and years to come, like all these different elements that are in the painting can tell the viewer what happened on that big day. So it's it's been incredibly good for my art journey. I would encourage everyone to get into plein air painting because it's just helped me so much. That's awesome. I love that. So let's circle back and talk a little bit more about kind of turning yourself into a business, yourself and your artwork. So how how has that kind of translate? Because that's basically like what you're doing is like when when you're an artist, I feel like that's how that's how I view it. And a lot of artists view it. I mean, if you view it differently, you can talk about that too. But I feel like a lot of artists when you know, they do freelance and and things like that are quite literally turning themselves into a business. And how has COVID affected that? Because, you know, I mean, you you obviously you have to travel to do weddings and stuff. How, how has do you think it would have been easier if you had started maybe before COVID instead of right in the middle of it? Or (laughs) so I mean, I don't know if this sounds terrible or not. And like, I do want to take a moment to acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of lives that have been lost by COVID. Like I never want to minimize that. But for me, COVID was the game changer. COVID was the best thing that could have happened to my artistic career. And I would not be here today if COVID had not happened. Because what what happened for me was I was going, going, going. I was studying in school. I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do with my life. And I never had a moment to pause. I never had a moment to sit down and develop a business plan or work on my craft or fulfill commission work. Like I just wasn't stopping at all to even consider art. And then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, everything about our lives had to come to a complete halt for at least two weeks. And we as Americans, like we couldn't do anything. We couldn't go out. We couldn't see people. We couldn't leave our houses. And so all of a sudden, I was just kind of forced to sit and, and you know, what else was I going to do? Okay, I'll start doing art. And COVID shutdown happened right before that competition that I talked about earlier happened. And so what I did was I used that summer as a time to build up my portfolio and to build up my clientele and start getting more commission work because all I had, like I literally had all the time in the world. So I just painted all the time. And so then when I got to that competition, I had actual data to present to the judges being like, Hey, like, look at this. I turned $300 worth of supplies into $13,000 worth of income in a summer. So imagine what I could do if I had all of my time to do this. And COVID was also great for me because people were online more. People were on social media more. So I had a greater audience to reach out to and to share my story with. And so I started building my platform fairly quickly and it got me connected to a lot of really great people. So now that we're coming out of it, and I mean, we're still definitely like, please social distance everybody, please, you know, do all the things. But now that we're kind of starting to figure out how to adjust to life, with COVID, people now know me, I've established myself as an artist, because people were following my journey during that shutdown time. And so now I've kind of come out of COVID with a very supportive clientele and a really interactive audience. So COVID really connected me to my clients. Now with live painting, yeah, COVID's definitely been a little bit tricky for me, because I'm I live with my parents currently, and I'm trying very hard to make sure that I don't expose them to anything dangerous. And so some of the steps that I've been taking is I typically will wear masks at weddings, I'm double vaccinated, and I try to maintain my distance. Let me ask if you have like a secret, not a secret, well, it might be a secret. Do you have like a secret formula for like balancing all the kind of like facets of of things that you need to have a bit a business or turn yourself into a business as an artist that like makes it easier to make art a full time gig? I know we talked a little bit earlier about you, you know, like uh, a little bit about having like more passive income and like selling prints and stuff like that. But is there is there like some kind of like formula that you follow to make sure that you always, you know, have like money to pay your bills and that you're, you know, you're, you're good with like your whole business? Or can you speak to like what you've done that maybe has or hasn't worked to kind of keep that going? Yeah, so it's kind of a twofold There's a formula and then there's a way that I approach my finances that kind of give me a sense of security. So from the business aspect, I kind of have like three tips is 
one, you need to build up a supportive community of people around you. If you don't have people who like believe in you more than you believe yourself, it ain't going to work. It's, it's very exhausting to try and motivate yourself to do it. And so if you have people who like not only are holding you accountable on the days when you don't feel motivated, but who are also cheering you on, like that's invaluable. So like, even if it's not your family, if it's your friends, if it's followers on social media, like make sure you have people who are pouring into your journey all the time. Okay, so basically first step is to have um, have a support system, have a group of people who are constantly pouring into your journey because it's so hard to motivate yourself sometimes. And so having people who believe in you even when you don't feel like you believe in you is absolutely invaluable. Second um, secret, or I don't know, not so secret that I would recommend is find a moneymaker. So this is find something that brings in big chunks of change, sometimes in short periods of time. So for me, that's live painting. For other people, it's murals. For other people, it's teaching classes. But something that brings in big chunks of change in short period of time to help supplement your income when commissions are slow. And then third tip is just have passive income. Develop multiple streams of income. I think that's like the tip for millionaires is like have multiple streams of income. Same thing for artists. Like you constantly have to be looking for all these different new ways to earn money outside of commission work, outside of selling your personal work. Those are kind of like the three tips I would recommend following to help you find more financial security. And like if anyone has any more, please share those because I would love more tips. Another question that I have kind of, It kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier on in the episode, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about feelings of imposter syndrome in artists because I don't think this season we've really talked about it at all, but, and I think a lot of artists struggle with it. I definitely have bad imposter syndrome and it's, it's crazy because you could be like, you know, a great, amazing artist with all of these like publications and Like I, you know, I've had art published on the cover of a magazine before, and yet I still feel like I'm not good sometimes. Not that like I'm not good, but in, you know, I, I just feel like it's important to kind of talk about battling feelings of imposter syndrome because I know, and I think you said this earlier and talked about it a little bit, when you're painting live in front of people, I feel like And this is my biggest concern with it too. And one of the reasons why I haven't started trying to do like the live wedding painting sooner is just that I get, I do get nervous with people watching me and, you know, I don't want to feel like other people are thinking that maybe like, I don't know what I'm doing because sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. So could you maybe talk about like, maybe if you have any like (laughs) tips uh, or tricks on how to kind of combat feeling that imposter syndrome as an artist? Yeah, absolutely. So, (laughs) you know, imposter syndrome is something that I think is going to plague you from the beginning of your career to the end of your career. People who don't, who say they don't have it, I don't know, I don't believe them. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of success in even just the year and a half that I've been doing this. And I still every single day I wake up and I'm like, why am I doing this? Am I insane for doing this? Or is this the right path for me? And I think for me, the trick that has kind of helped me battle imposter syndrome is to first off document my successes. So I keep a journal and whenever something bad happens, I write about it. And whenever something good happens, I write about it. And I also share it on my social media because it helps me keep accountable And just documenting your successes helps you in those slow times when you're like really doubting yourself to go back and look on those times when like you really were feeling yourself and you feel like you were on the right path. And it just kind of reminds you about why you're doing this in the first place. And so that's one thing that I do to help myself. And then this might be kind of harsh, but my other trick is kind of to just ask myself, all right, so if you don't want to do art, what else are you going to do? You know, like what's, is there anything else in your life that appeals to you? And for me, the answer is always, well, no, I don't know what else I could do. And so you might as well keep going. And so I do. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful for someone else, but like that's kind of the two things that I use to help me battle that imposter syndrome. All right. I think that was a good uh, good last question to kind of wrap up the podcast. So if you just want to take a second, Leah, you can go ahead and plug your stuff, do all the self-promo. Your artwork is literally amazing. 
breathtaking, stunning. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really talk much about social media, but I seriously like you deserve to have like such a huge like it shocked me like how how little like, like following that you had for like how incredibly talented you are and how amazing your work is. So like, please like plug your stuff. Where can people find you? How can they support you? How can I hire you for my wedding? I'm not getting married. (laughs) But not right now. But how can I hire you for my wedding? Anything, anything? How can people support you? How can they find you? All that stuff. Just go ahead and and let everyone know. And I'm going to include all of these links and everything in the episode description. But yeah, just go ahead, plug your stuff. Well, first off, thank you. That's so sweet. I appreciate that so much. I needed that hype today. So if you want to book me for a live painting, there is a link in my bio or there's a link tree in my bio. It has all of my sites, everything there. You go to my website and there's a page on my website that allows you to book me, see my availability, all the fun things. Just go to the wedding slash event section. You can find me on Facebook at Artabella, A-R-T-A-B-E-L-L-A. On Instagram, it's Artabella underscore gallery. On TikTok, it's a.b.gallery. And you also, I'm now on Etsy. So one of the ways that you guys can support me is check my Etsy shop. Maybe order a print or two. I would so appreciate it. Even just finding me on Instagram or Facebook and let me know that you found me through this podcast. I absolutely love meeting new artists and meeting new followers. So um, be sure to check out any of the social media, any of the website. Some of the best ways you can support my work is just to share it with other people. I would really appreciate any and all contact or support. (laughs) So thank you so much to Katie for having me on this podcast. I so appreciate it. This was an incredible opportunity. And I'm so excited to meet anyone else who might have found me through here. All right. Thank you so much, Leah, for being on. Uh, This episode has been amazing. It's been so informative and I'm so, I'm so excited Everyone listening, as always, I would so appreciate five stars on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you enjoyed the episode and you've made it all the way through. And we also have an Instagram account at Artwise Podcast, and we have episode announcements and some behind the scenes stuffs on there. So if you have been listening to the podcast and you enjoy it, maybe check out the Instagram and <laughs> I think that about wraps up this episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you again to Leah for being on. And I will see you guys all next Tuesday. Bye, everyone.